Hey, well, good morning, church. Hey, it's good to uh, be here with you. Uh, as always, if you're a guest, I, I wanted to say, hey, we're glad you're here as well. Those of you watching online, glad you were tuned in uh, as well. And uh, just real quick, wanted to just kind of remind us something, remind our church family of something. This, is, this, this month, June, it's the last month of our fiscal year, okay? And uh, so I'm just going to ask, would, would you help us to end our fiscal year strong financially, okay? Help your pastor get some good nights of sleep, all right? Uh, I have a tendency to lose some sleep when I'm not sure where our finances are, are headed, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that uh, you, would, you would help me get a good night's sleep uh, in, in, in the month of, of, of June by by, by giving and being generous. Maybe some of you are in a place you could give a little more and, and, and above uh, what you normally would to help us out. But I'm going to ask for all of us to pitch in and be a part of helping us to end uh, June strong. And then uh, I don't want it to end there. I, I, I'd like you if, you, if you don't give, to figure out what is something you could continue to give throughout the summer. Um, so that we can stay consistent in our giving. Because what that helps us do is when we get into the fall, it helps us to go in with confidence knowing that we're going to be able to financially fund the things we have planned. So church, can you, can you help your pastor get some, some good nights of sleep? Yes? Amen? All right. Hey, well, we're kicking off a new series um, today called Summer Sunday School for Adults. And the idea of this series is some of you grew up in Sunday school with a, you know, a Sunday school teacher who loved you and uh, maybe used a felt board. Did anyone have the felt board going on growing up? And, uh, you know, teachers teaching you these, these, these important stories of the Bible um, that, that you, you love uh, even today. And, and so for part, part of the series is going to be good reminders and, and things that... Uh, uh, you, gr you grew up hearing about. For others of us who didn't grow up in the church, though, maybe we wonder what some of these stories are all about. Well, this series is going to be an opportunity where we talk about uh, some, of these, some of these stories, and we learn what these stories are all uh, uh, about. So it's going to be a good, uh, probably, uh, refresher for some of us, uh, but I think, I, I, I think all of us are going to learn a little bit uh, along the way. And by the way, we've asked you to participate in this. We don't have this entire series mapped out yet. We've got the next three topics planned because we asked you on social media, what do you want us to preach on? And so three topics have surfaced at this point, uh, but we're still waiting for you to interact with us and tell us what would you like to hear uh, throughout this summer as we get into this series. And this morning we thought it would be good to kick it off uh, with one of the topics that you guys suggested that kind of rose to the surface, which is the story of Jonah, right? Jonah and, and the, the fish. Um, when we think of the story of Jonah, the first thing we probably do think about is the fish. The fish seems to be kind of the hero <laughs> of the story. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if any of you read this, this story about a guy last year who got, like, devoured by a, a whale. Did anybody read this story? A, a guy named Michael Packard, he was a lobster diver in, in the Cape Cod region, and he was about 40 feet down uh, trying to catch, 
catch lobster when he said it felt like he got hit by a freight train and everything went dark. And uh, he said at first he thought he was for sure dead, but he wasn't dead. He realized it dawned on him, I'm, I'm in the mouth of a humpback whale. Now, uh, Michael had on his scuba gear and was able to breathe through that and everything. Uh, and he was only in the whale's mouth, it sounds like, for a short time before it, it spat him out. But Michael Packard lived uh, to tell uh, his tale about being uh, swallowed by um, this, this whale. And I don't know uh, about you, but if, if I was in his, his you know, flippers, uh, I, I would need a new pair of scuba shorts, okay? <laughs> Uh, I cannot imagine being in the mouth. He, he got out of it with apparently minor, minor injuries. But there are stories throughout history of people who apparently, ha this has happened, where they end up in the mouth uh, of, 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 a, of a whale. And that's kind of what Jonah, you know, what we all think about when we think about the story of Jonah, is that Jonah was swallowed by a, a fish of some sort. The Hebrew doesn't say whether it was a whale, if it doesn't really have a word to distinguish. But Jonah and the fish. And so I've, I've titled this message, Jonah, Something is Fishy. <laughs> because I feel like that's what a Sunday school teacher would, would title uh, a message like this. Okay, something is fishy. And when I say something is fishy, like if you know what that means, it kind of means when we use that expression, it means something is suspicious, uh, something is off, something is odd. Uh, but here's what we learn about the story of Jonah. It, it's not the fish that's fishy. It, it's not even the people of Nineveh that we're going to read about that are fishy. It's not even Jonah. It, it's really God. And, and specifically, it's God's grace. It's really what the story of Jonah is all about. It's a, it's a story about God's, God, God's grace. And God's grace is a little fishy. It's suspicious to us. It's odd to us. Uh, I was telling the executive team this past week, I think the hardest thing for us as Christians to get our minds around, the hardest thing for anyone to get their mind around, but even Christians, is this concept of God's grace. And even when we think we understand it, and even when we think we've arrived and we get it, uh, God has a way of showing us that we don't fully comprehend and appreciate his grace in our own lives. And so more than even being a story about the grace God is going to show uh, these evil pagan people called the, the people of Nineveh, the Ninevites, it's a story about God's grace to Jonah. And it's a, God's, it's a story about God's grace to you and me as well. And so we're going to um, look at the, the story of Jonah today. We're gonna, I've broken it down into four scenes, okay? Four, four different scenes. And here's scene one. Scene one is Jonah flees from the Lord. Okay, Jonah flees the Lord. And we read this in Jonah 1.1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. He said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So God calls Jonah to go and preach a message of repentance to the people of, of Nineveh. So that they will turn back to God and be spared. And here's, here's what you, you need to know about the, the, the Ninevites. These are a wicked people. Okay? Um, in fact, I, I was telling the worship team before service that I, as I've studied history, 
I've never read of any military that was as vicious and brutal and savage uh, as the Assyrians, okay? Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And these, the Assyrians, man, they were a brutal people. I'm not going to get into everything they would do, but a few things they were known for, they would skin people alive, okay? Uh, they, were, they were known for putting people up on spikes. Um, they would put fish hooks through, through uh, their prisoners of war's um, jawbone or nose to lead them back uh, to... Assyria, and when you arrived at Assyria, they were known. We have ancient records that tell us they had stacked the skulls of their enemies all the way to the top of their city walls. Okay, so they they used fear uh, to to melt their enemies. Probably you probably didn't see that on your felt board. <laughs> That's why I said this is for adults. And honestly, I'm not even getting into the worst of it. These were as savage people, and so we can, we can some, empathize with, with Jonah here. And, and the reality is, friends, sometimes God is going to call us into hard things. I mean, that's just, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've got to just recognize part of the commission, part of being a Christ follower is knowing he, he's, he's going to ask you to do hard things, sometimes scary things. He's going to ask you to do things you don't want to do. Uh, that's just part of being... Uh, a follower uh, uh, of Jesus. <laughs> Things that make us uncomfortable and maybe even put fear into us. Or, in Jonah's case, even, even things we don't want to do because we don't want to show God's grace um, or love uh, to, to others. But it, it's part of the challenge of being a Christian, right? Knowing that we're going to be asked to do things that's, that's difficult. And so how does Jonah respond? And how do we sometimes respond when we're asked to do things that are difficult? Well, we read this in verse 3. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. Okay? He went down to Joppa where he found a ship uh, bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee, to flee to sail away from, from the Lord. Um, and so he's, he's going to head to Tarshish. Here's what you need to know. Here's what we kind of know. We don't know where Tarshish was at exactly, somewhere in the Mediterranean. Um, but what we do know is, is it was a wealthy city. Solomon would bring back gold and silver from Tarshish. And, and so it's not just Jonah running away from the Lord. He, he's running away from what he thinks is going to be the better life. He, he's running away to, to, to a life that he thinks will be better apart from the Lord, where he can make, uh, you know, maybe some wealth for himself and live out his days, um, what he thinks, happy. Uh, okay, and, and, and this is the temptation, right? Satan loves to come into our life and he loves to tempt us. You don't need to do those things that God's asking you to do. You don't need to live according to God's word. Just get, get, throw that off and, and go live your life. And that's what Jonah's doing here. And, he, and he's sailing away from the Lord. But here's the problem. When we sail away from the Lord, we eventually sink. When we sail away from the Lord, we're eventually 
going to sink. And that brings us to scene two, Jonah swallowed by a fish. Okay, so in verse four, we read, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. So Jonah's on this boat with these other pagan sailors, and this storm comes because of Jonah. And, and this got me thinking this week about something. And if you're a Christian, if you're a person who has made that covenant with God, if you're a person who has the Holy Spirit given to them, you need to know that you're special, okay? That there's something special about you. And it's not because of you it's because of your relationship with Yahweh, your relationship with the living God, okay? But that makes you special. It gives you a, a special place in the world, and, 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 it, and, and, and you need to know this about God. The Bible describes him as a jealous God, and, and, and he's a God who will do whatever it takes to cause his bride, his people, to return to him when they sail away, which might mean sending a storm. So you need to know this. When, when you become a Christian, you kind of have this special relationship with God. I think a lot of the Psalms, by the way, I think that's what David's talking about. He's like, I wish I could be a bird and just fly away. At times he's like, I, where can I go to escape your presence, Lord? Even if I go to the bottom of the sea, I, you are still there. I can't get away from you. You need to understand that that's what it's like being a Christian. And it's interesting that it affects other people around us when, when that happens, right? Because we read in verse 12, Jonah says to, to, to the, his other um, shipmates here, he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And I think we, we realize that sometimes when we run away from the Lord and he brings storms into our life, it affects other people around us. It can affect, you know, our coworkers. It can, it can affect uh, our church. It, 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 can affect, um, it can affect our families, our spouse, and our children. We need to be aware of that. But nothing will stop the Lord from, from trying to get your attention. And he will use a storm if that's what it takes. So Jonah gets thrown into the sea and we're told later this is where Jonah repents and cries out to the Lord for salvation, for help. And um, verse 17 says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And so what we need to re recognize, Jonah's repented and God sends the fish. The fish is God's grace in, in Jonah's life. Now, do you think it's comfortable being in a fish? Okay, this is not Pinocchio, right? Where he's got like the table and the candle and the 50-inch TV on the wall. I, I'm assuming he is crammed in there. He is, he's dealing with probably the stomach acids of this fish, all right? It, it's, he is squished in the fish. And yet this is, this is God's grace to Jonah. 
Sometimes God's grace is uncomfortable in our lives. We need to recognize that. Sometimes God sends the storm, and sometimes his grace, in the form, in this case, a fish, can be uncomfortable. And so the question is, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do when God calls you to do hard things? What do you do when he sends the storm? And what do you do when you end up in a fish? You know what you do? You praise him. You give him thanks. You worship God. You take your eyes off of yourself, and you put your eyes on him. And this is what Jonah does. And we read this in Jonah 2.1. I'm not going to read the whole prayer of Jonah here, but listen to this. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and you listened to my cry. What do you do when you're in the fish? You worship. You give God praise for his grace in your, in, in your life. Uh, friends, I think something we need to, to recognize, and maybe a little saying that could give us some perspective when we find ourselves in hard places, is, is this. It could be worse. Your situation could be worse. Satan wants to come around and tell you, no, following God's ways and doing it, this is the worst you, so sail away to your personal Tarshish. And friends, I think what we need to remind when we're in the stream of God's will and, and it's uncomfortable, we need to remember it could always be worse. There's someone out there who's got it worse than you do. I, I, I remember having a rough day at work. This was many years ago, but I, honestly, I, I was struggling being a pastor. And... Uh, and I'm not going to lie, I, I have days where I, I struggle. I struggle being a, a pastor. It's a, it's a heavy responsibility, and I'm not perfect, and I make mistakes, and I, right? And on this occasion, I'm, I'm struggling, and I'm, 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 I, 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 I'm feeling like I don't know <laughs> how, how to lead, and I don't know how to lead well, and I'm dealing with difficult people. And, I, and I've got one group who wants me to be authentic and real, but then when I'm authentic and real, they're like, that's a little too authentic and real. And like, I don't know how to do this, Lord. And I, and, I, and I started thinking about, like, throwing in the towel. I started thinking about my personal Tarshish. And then I drove home, excited to get home. When I walk in, and this is when our kids were little, at least smaller than they are now, and one of my kids is running around the island chasing the other one with a stick. And the one who's running for their life has tears streaming. I can literally see tears coming you know, off their cheeks. But the other one has tears on their cheeks too because I'm assuming they already got hit by the stick. And now they're retaliating. Okay. And, and then Danielle, she's on the floor yelling at them to stop. But she's taking care of Callie, changing her diaper. Callie's diaper has exploded, and it's on Danielle. And I walked into this. And so I, I, I backed back into the garage, shut the door. <laughs> I, I, I got in my car, and I went back to work. <laughs> it could be worse. Okay, I, didn't, I actually didn't go back to work because Danielle gave me that look like, if you do, I will hurt you. 
Friends, we need some perspective. It can be worse. Okay? We've all got things to give God some praise for this morning. We've all got some things to say, thank you, Jesus, this morning. And that's what Jonah does when he finds himself in the fish. All right? And, and, and here's what we also see about when we praise God <laughs> in the fish. It leads to Jonah getting out of the fish. Sometimes what God's waiting to see, are you, you going to praise me? Are you going to start giving me some thanks? Are you going to start recognizing my grace in, in your life? Sometimes God is waiting for a shout of praise before he lets us out to give him more praise. I think God's waiting on some of us this morning, whatever our situation is, turn us into a people of worship, a people who give him thanks. And this leads to Jonah getting out of, of the fish, which brings us to scene three. Jonah is given a second chance. Okay, and so we read this, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God, and a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth, meaning they repented, and um, they turned uh, at least during this time, from their, from their evil ways receiving Jonah's message. D did you ever wonder, though, as Jonah goes into this evil place, why did they not kill him? Ever wonder that? Why did, and at the you know, very least, why did they listen to what, what in their eyes would have been, I mean, an Israelite peasant, right, coming in and preaching about this God? Why did they listen? Well, this is really interesting. Something you might not know about uh, the Assyrians, um, they, they actually worshipped a fish god uh, named Dagon. It was one of their primary gods, and we have depictions of Dagon. Dagon uh, was often either half man, half fish, or he wore a fish on him, but he was related to the fish. Something else the Assyrians did was they would cut open fish and other animals, and they would study, I don't know how this worked, but the religious people would, would study their entrails to see if God was giving them or their gods were, was giving them a bad omen of some kind. Now, now get this. So what did Jonah just get coughed out of? He just got coughed out of, of, of the fish, all right? And, 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 and he, he, he's literally the entrails of this fish, he's probably bleached white, he's probably lost his hair, he's looking like a ghost going through the city. Jonah is the bad omen. Going to the Assyrians and saying, repent and turn from your ways. And by the way, um, I, I didn't read verse 10, but let me just read it just so we're clear. It says, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I love that. And I wonder if any of the Assyrians happened to see that happen. And, and did you notice it didn't say from how far away he was from land? That's why I like this verse. 
I like to think he might have been hundreds of yards away, and this might have been projectile vomit. <laughs> and like a cannonball, Jonah just, Ooh. possibly. And they saw that. They witnessed this, apparently. So, 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 so these people, they see this man spit out of a fish who's, who's looking like a ghost coming around telling them they better repent, and they, and they listened. And it gave Jonah an authority. And we, I think we see the sovereignty of God in that. And friends, I think this is the lesson for us. Where God guides, God provides. Yeah, God will call you into hard things. God will call you into challenging things. But where he guides, he's going to provide. And he's going to give you the authority, the power, everything you need to live out the calling he has on your life. You don't have to run to Tarshish because where God guides, he will provide and walk with you and give you what you need. Now, the people repent. We would think, story over, everybody's happy. But actually, it doesn't end there. There's one more scene, which I find to be kind of odd. Uh, and it's chapter four. Um, scene four, Jonah becomes angry at the Lord. And so we read this uh, in verse 1 of chapter 4, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. I mean, he's upset that God showed these people grace, and he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, listen to this. That's how mad he is. Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And this is how upset Jonah is by, by God's grace. But God then, the Lord replied, is it right, Jonah, for you to be angry? And so then this very interesting thing happens in chapter 4, where God, we're told, it's God who provides this plant to grow up. And Jonah is very happy because of this plant. And he sits under the plant because it gives him shade. But then God also sends a worm that comes and eats the plant, taking away Jonah's shade. And Jonah again becomes angry and says he wants to die. And what is the point of that? I, I think the point of that is I think God is, is trying to say, Jonah, you get upset with me when things don't go the way you want them to go, but you don't give me praise for all the things I've provided in your life. You see, Jonah, you don't recognize all the grace that I have poured out on you. And that's your problem, Jonah. You, you kind of think you're a good person, you're deserving of these things. No, 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 Jonah, everything you have that's good comes by my gracious hand on your life. And if I do it for you, I have the right to do it for others. So the story ends this way, verse 10, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? That's kind of interesting that it ends with and many animals. It's almost like he's saying, Jonah, even if you don't care about the people, 
Could you at least care about the animals? It's kind of like if you ever watch a movie, you don't care who, just don't hurt the dog. That's what, it's like God trying to at least appeal. My friends, this is God saying, I am showing them grace. But here's the reality, Jonah. I've shown you grace too. You are a man in need of my grace. And friends, we are here this morning. We are a people in need of God's grace. And my question for you, what do you need to give God some things for this morning in your life? What, what, what do you need to give him some praise for, some worship for in your life? Is it his provision? We see all throughout the story of Jonah, God providing. It was the storm was actually grace. The fish was actually grace. The plant was grace. And the worm to teach him a lesson was grace. God just constantly provided. How is God taking care of you? How has God provided in your life? Maybe for some of us, we need to give God some, some worship for just the fact that he uses imperfect people like you and me, don't we learn that through the story of Jonah? I love this about the Bible. That God, God loves to use imperfect people to live out his plan. Moses killed a man. David had an affair and then had her husband put to death. Paul had a man killed in the city streets. And here Jonah is. An imperfect man. And that's the good news about our God. He loves to use imperfect people. That's the gracious God he is. Maybe you're sitting here today going, could God ever use someone like me? And the answer is yes. And maybe you look back on your life and you can see how God has worked in and through an imperfect person like yourself, an imperfect pastor like me to help fulfill his plan on earth. I think we can give him some thanks and some praise this morning for that. And maybe if you can't think of anything, let me give you one thing we can all give him praise for th this morning is salvation. Because what we do have is we, we have Jesus. And, and, and when you stop and think about what Jesus endured, you know, humiliation and for a time letting his enemies triumph over him, having nails pierce his hands and his feet and bleeding and dying on that cross. Why did he do it, friends? Because we're good people? No, he did it because we're sinful people who need a Savior. But he came because he loves us and he wants to show us grace. And we know three days later he rose from the dead and he said, that's the sign I'm going to give. I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. I'm going to go into the belly of the whale for three days, but I'm going to come back out. And you're going to know that I am the Lord. And you're going to become a people who start to give me the worship I am due. And that's why I love when we gather on Sundays, because that's what we get an opportunity to do. We get an opportunity to say, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your grace in our life. Amen? Church, this is what we're called to do, to be a people of praise. And some of you are in a situation this morning, and you need to get out. And I'm telling you, it starts with a shout of praise to Jesus. And we're going to get an opportunity to do that this morning.
So Heavenly Father, we come before you and we do want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for being gracious to people like us. And my hope for us as a church that we could say with Paul, <laughs> I am the worst of sinners, but God, you chose us and you called us to a special relationship with you so that you could demonstrate your grace and your mercy to other people who need to receive it. So we come before you in humility this morning, Lord, to say, God, it's all about you. And we're going to take our eyes off of our situation. We're going to think back, as Caleb said earlier, about your faithfulness, your promises, the work you've done in our past, and the fact that we know you're an able God who can do more than we ask or imagine as we move forward in this world. So we look to you today. And we pray this in your name, Jesus, and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and give God some worship. <laughs>